The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Ira Wolf, back with my co-host, Keith Campagna. Uh, for another episode of Geek Skeezers in Googleization. Uh, we are going to have uh, Lee uh, Andres uh, join us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the title of our topic was, uh, is empathy inevitable? And, or, yeah, is empathy, empathy fatigue inevitable? We'll get that whole thing out. Uh, and part of that conversation was, you might remember if you've been following me, uh, I've interviewed Lee a few times. Uh, I had her on a StreamYard live uh, just a few months ago and we were talking about recruitment and she was on a panel that I had. Um, she's pretty active on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, she just started her, her new company. And, uh, but uh, I was on a round table with her about two, maybe three weeks ago. And she had this impassionate message about where, basically walking the talk and, and the conversation was all about uh, putting on a, or, or doing the right thing with diversity and inclusion and equity. And we've had you know numerous conversations about that. Uh, and it was so passionate, I asked her to, to kind of come on to the show and uh, we're going to continue that conversation. And this morning, I was looking at a number of things, and I'm not going to bring this up right now, but there's a couple headlines that were in the news uh, this morning. Uh, and we're going to have a, a, a I, I can, I'll guarantee you, it'll be a passionate conversation uh, about where, where the heads of CEOs are and uh, some of the initiatives that they're taking. And uh, that'll be a great talk. And then just prior to the show, uh, thanks to Keith, uh, I had invited him, apparently, uh, Keith, you hold a, a kind of a bigger a, a bigger influence than mm -hmm. I with uh, Torin Ellis. Yeah, uh, and uh, he is scheduled. Uh, he just scheduled for uh, November, middle of November, I think, uh, uh, whatever the third week in November was. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that'll be great. And we've got a couple other uh, speakers coming up over the next few weeks about uh, diversity and equity uh, and inclusion um, and, and the broader sense of that social justice and even a bigger sense than that of, of companies doing things right, um, really doing things not for their shareholders, but for their stakeholders and recognizing that they are part of that. And that's that's actually a message uh, coming out from the Business Roundtable. Uh, it's an organization that's represented by some of the best companies in the world. And 181, uh, 181 CEOs signed on that their focus will be based on shareholders, which includes even community customers, vendors, suppliers, um, and made a commitment that, that they're, yeah, they're in for profit, but they're broader sense. Keith looks like you're Chopping at the bit here. I am. It's just fascinating to think about the 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 capabilities, the what if scenarios, right, Bud? And 
the the hardcore truth that you almost can't ignore, right? The facts of the matter is business is going to figure out a way to keep doing business. And that doesn't necessarily mean that employees are going to be the ones that benefit the most from it. I, what I find interesting. They benefit the most from it. The employees. Uh, yeah, the employees. Right. Benefit, yeah, a great deal. Or, I, I, I'm, you know, it's funny to me thinking about how we usually reflect about Americans having a short-term memory. You know, before COVID came, we were talking about how valuable an employee is to an organization. And it was just last night I was listening. I can't think of his last name, but what's the futurist? Gerd? Oh, Gerd Leonhard. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah. He's actually thinking like it was um, like 30 minutes of uh, the next five years. And he was talking about there being a complete paradigm shift towards moving money into businesses and their own stock exchange index who are moving towards these people-driven type uh, statistics that help you know, really embrace long-term growth within organizations versus the, yeah. the greedy grab. Yeah, they've, they've talked about that for a while. I mean, I haven't heard that they put it in an index. I've heard about it being part of how companies were valued, you know, which you, we, we've talked about before, um, you know, being literally put on the balance sheets uh, and being reported. Um, you know, a lot of the numbers, they get buried in HR. The HR didn't even track half these numbers, you know, but, you know, even things like turnover and engagement mm-hmm. uh, literally becoming met KPIs and metrics that are reported in financial statements. And now you're thinking about now, now let's get to why Lee's going to be such a great guest today, because now we're going to talk about the, where the rubber meets the road. We've gone through a pandemic as a globe, as a country, as a companies. Now the leadership the people, the very people that we've been talking about with utter questionable at best integrity, what are they going to do? Do they know what to do? How they odds are they don't. If they don't, who are they going to talk to? I really think it's uh, great to have Lee on to talk about it. Yeah, we will. We right before we get to Lee, we want to uh, thank uh, our sponsors uh, in a little bit. Bless you. Uh, here from our sponsors, Azure. Uh, dot AI and also success performance solutions. So you hear from them a little bit later in the show, but we do want to thank them for being part of that. Uh, if you're interested in being a sponsor, um, certainly uh, give Keith or myself uh, con- connect with us on LinkedIn, or you go up to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization website. We got some opportunities, some new opportunities, especially now that we're doing our our uh, our new live show, our our video, our live streaming as well. So we're we're basically radio and TV. Um, yeah. And if you're listening, yeah. just know that I'm not saying it because we have a podcast, but I am saying it because we have a podcast. Podcast is starting to capture the attention of your audiences. It's not a matter of does it work? It's a matter of how soon can companies become part of it? I've been reading a lot about it. And in the interest in, in the category of the future of work, contact Ira or me if you want to talk about sponsorships, because we got a lot going here at the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's uh, quite a few things going on. You can check out the website, uh, Success Performance Solutions, um, just so I don't forget this. On Friday, um, and he was he's uh, I just did a series with him, Ed Gordon, a friend of mine, um, colleague. Uh, he's had the Gordon Report. He's written 20 books on workforce, uh, labor trends, workforce trends, uh, future. His last uh 
uh, book and and is up to in a second edition of the same book was future jobs talked a lot about skills and and uh, most of what he talked about uh has come true uh and uh, he's actually uh, preparing a new white paper but on he he has a quarterly oh it's a periodic but it was almost quarterly um newsletter and uh he asked me uh, because of the response we got when we did our live streams, uh, he asked me if we could do those live. So on Friday at noon, uh, he's releasing his newest Gordon report. That's what it's called. Uh, you can get to it um, by going to either to uh, my Facebook page or, or YouTube page. Uh, it's live on there. Uh, or just connect with me. Uh, follow me. You know, connect with me on LinkedIn. You're, you're surely going to see it there um how, how to how to view that and uh, if you miss it uh it will be on uh, my youtube page which is youtube.com forward slash ira wolf uh so don't miss that and then next week uh we're doing a on crowdcast uh, we're doing a streaming with uh, scott mckenzie who was the guest on uh, geeks and geeks geezers and googleization uh, maybe a year ago so um lost tr complete track of time so forgive me for that could it could have been six months could have been two, two years ago. Um, but we had scott on if you remember and we were talking about the future of e-learning uh exploded over the last few months and uh so we're going to be doing an update next tuesday uh i believe that's at three o'clock that's free uh and we're going to talk about uh what what uh, that looks like online uh e-learning micro learning so, but now uh, we have gotten, we have got Lee, um, Lee Andress. Uh, Lee has started a new company. I'm going to butcher this name, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, uh, Kathame, um, I hope that was close, um, but we'll have her correct it. We'll explain the origin of that. Uh, and uh, Lee has uh, been a, I, I actually met Lee through another one of our, our guests and colleagues, Debbie Levitt. And you've heard me talk a lot about her, especially with the Four Horsemen of Bad CX and, and the Ken Experience. She's the, she's, she's the origin of the FCDD, which sort of took off. It became my most popular uh, you know, conversation. Uh, frustration, confusion, disappointment, and distraction. Uh, hang on, I don't know. just want to make sure. Oh, okay, just want to make sure that Lee was uh, coming on board here. Um, and uh, I just got a blip on my uh, on my screen here. Uh, it was something else. Uh, but uh, Lee has um, is basically doing a lot with UX. Um, so she was understanding the branding and the presentation, and and really took a dive into the user experience. Uh, and so. I invited her on, and uh, again, because of her impassioned uh, message just a few weeks ago on the uh, JobSync Roundtable uh, about diversity and uh, especially what CEOs need to do. So, um, is let's I, bring her on. There, there she is. Go. So, welcome, welcome to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So how badly did I butcher uh, your, your company name? You did great. It's a Cothame, and you did great. Okay, thanks. And what, just just have an explanation, maybe this will be the uh, the connecting point. Uh, and I'm sure you told me this before, but, um, you know, I only have so many active brain cells anymore, and it's pretty crowded up there. Uh, what's the origin of it? It's a made-up name. 
I took two words. I am actually a holistic practitioner as well, on top of other things. So I took two words. The first is Akasha, which is energy from above, and Athame, which is a tool used to direct energy. So it is really about directing energy. And so my, as long as you're focused, you can accomplish anything. And so Akathame is all about getting focused. Oh, this is going to be a good one, Lee. This is going to be a good one. You, you just you, you look at look at that smile and keep. <laughs> uh, so I also noticed I was going back through one something I didn't know about you. We've we've only known each other for less than a year, I think. Somewhere mm -hmm. somewhere down there through Debbie, uh, I think how we met, um, and I saw that you were a truck driver. Mm -hmm. I still have a class with you now. Nice. <laughs> amazing <Sorry>. journey <laughs> so that, may, I'm gonna, that may beat the dentist part in me so <laughs> Lee, I'm, gonna play, I'm gonna jump in yeah, what does know. a energy focusing energy driving <laughs> town acquisition knows oh, when to be funny knows when not to be funny woman doing on the geek excuses and googleization <laughs> Ira asked me. When Ira asks me to do something, I just do it. How nice <laughs> is this event? I missed it. I missed the event. What is it that you said that got us talking the talk and now trying to figure out how we could get people to walk the walk? So I think it was on that um, that uh, panel that we attended, Ira, where I spoke up and and you know I, I have this tendency of twitching when I hear buzzwords used over and over and over again mm -hmm. um, without anything to back them up, <laughs> without any data to say, yes, that's actually being worked at in the, in, in the office. And, and we see that happening. And they use the word empathy and that just flipped the switch. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I got a hold of the mic and I don't think I got off that mic, Ira, until I was ready to. <laughs> and, he, and he had a phenomenal response just to give everybody background they don't remember the exact title but it, it, it's all about recruitment and it was about how do you create a better brand how do you attract the right people and um the two uh it was uh janine dennis who was on there and i've got a quote from her which was fascinating uh and um just um her last name was shelly i think um do you remember who the other i remember okay yeah, but it, it was a great, great conversation. But one of the things that struck me, uh, let me see if I can find this quote. Um, got like a billion screens open here. Um, yeah, Janine Dennis, by the way, just to give her credit, uh, she's Chief Innovations Officer at Talent Think Innovation. Super smart. Um, she said that, and, and she was, they were, we were talking about, I guess, um, especially when it comes to diversity and people tracking numbers. And her comment was that the number of black people in this country, in this country, U.S., have been 13% for as long as anybody can remember. And then she asked, how is that possible if allegedly blacks procreate at rates higher than the whites? <laughs> That's a provocative question. Yeah. And it's crazy. It is, I mean, it's something you never think about. And it is a problem when we talk about diversity and all those numbers. It's like, okay, we met our quota. Look, we have 20. And, and I'm going to give you a story. This morning, I was pulling down some story headlines to kind of bend this conversation out. Um, and it was like, it's consistently 13%. And the reality is, is then you hear that the other alleged or myth that, well, Blacks just, you know, they have nine kids. Well, how's that possible? 
right. <laughs> that percentage and white and 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 the population um the procreation rate of whites is like 1.2 so it, it's sort of like the pandemic statistics <laughs> you know you know what do we believe lee yeah so i i think we believe um what we want to believe ira honestly <laughs> and i think that this is where bias is and how we were raised and all of that stuff that you can't see behind the eyes uh, that goes into individual perceptions and decisions and how they make those decisions in the workplace. So if you choose to believe that there are only 13% of black people in the United States of America, I'm not gonna try to change your mind. However, if you advertise that you are a diverse, equitable and inclusive organization, and I don't see the actual physical evidence of that to be true, you can guarantee that you and I are gonna be having a conversation uh, if you want me to help fill seats within your organization. Right. And that's where the that's where the walk the walk the talk to talk comes from, doesn't it? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely what's behind that? You 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 went from being uh we were having a little bit of tongue in cheek and now you got all serious. So what's driving that passion? So I think the panda I what really frustrates me, Keith, is that first of all, we have as a nation forgotten all of our history. In this past year, we have forgotten, and well, let's just say in the past few years, we've forgotten our history. Mm -hmm. uh, we have become um, a collective group of selfish human beings um, that have absolutely no idea what tough, living tough is really like. I have been very fortunate to be raised by a 91-year-old woman. She'll be 91 in November. And she remembers what it was like to live through the Depression and through right. two and she looks at me and says, you think this is tough? You think that having to ask people to wear a mask is tough? Right. You think that having to ask people to work in healthy environments and recognizing time off and having vacation, blah, blah, blah. You think that's tough? Try working where your grandmother worked. Try living through that. And so the sense and dose of humility that I get on a regular basis reminds me that um, you know what true humility is and what true empathy is. And so when I have clients tell me that they want to put a crew of people out on the streets during the height of a pandemic to do whatever work they need them to do, what are you crazy? That's not empathy. That's telling me that you're putting profits above everything else and you're not giving them the right equipment to be safe, let alone to keep others safe. So I challenge that. So when I meet with clients or when I meet with candidates, especially at the executive level, when I'm screening them for senior level positions, I'll say, tell me, you know, give me examples of how you lead with empathy. Yeah. And it's very often it's, it's a BS story. So can you, I, and I know I, I had a, a pretty in-depth um, conversation with, uh, with Debbie Levitt and, and you, um, we, have, we talked about this in the past. And Keith and I have kind of scratched the surface on empathy. We've talked about, we've had many, many people on, on the show uh, that talked about it. Um, but the definitions seem to be all over the place, you know, what it, what it means. Uh, people throw it around, as you said, as a buzzword. Uh, which is somewhere where the fatigue is going to set in. Uh, how, how do you define empathy? 
Empathy is the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, period, and make a decision from their shoes, not from your shoes. That's all it is. That's all it is. If you want to get teary-eyed about it, if you see somebody watching a movie and they're crying without any reason for them to cry because the people on the TV screen are crying, that's somebody who shows empathy for, for being in that person's role, whether it's acting or whether it's real. That is an empathetic person. But it doesn't mean that when other factors come into play, like economics, financial, personal, company, that they're going to have that same degree of empathy. So, so one of the things that you said during the, I think you said that, or it was a, a, a confluence of a lot of information that was coming out, was about CEOs literally wanting, you know, that, and it doesn't have to be a CEO, but from the, the senior suite, the owners, small business, uh, they got to walk the talk. And you know, not not necessarily give a lot of lip service. So, I saw these headlines this morning in preparation for this. I, I do try to do some homework. So, this is like one bad mistake after the other. The Wells Fargo CEO. I don't. I, I don't know if you saw this. Lately. No. Just just so just a smile. I say Wells Fargo CEO, and it's like. Oh, I do we have to go any further? Let's. Go. Okay. So right. this week. You, or, or what the the uh, his Charles Scharf is his name. He's angered black employees at the lender by comments he made during a Zoom call, where he claimed the bank is struggling to reach diversity goals because they're not enough qualified minority talent. Which language would you like me to respond to? I think we're not allowed to use the F word. I think other we might have been turned taken off the air. I mean. One is how many mistakes can you make and still be CEO? Uh, how, how does the one organization sustain this because they're, they're you know they're continually in trouble? But I mean, it, it sounds like little I, tone deaf isn't is a huge understatement. So. I, I mean that's 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 not even empathy. Empathy doesn't even have a place. There. That's, that's capacity. That is um, uh, common sense. I mean, uh, and there's also there's ignorance, right? He, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe he doesn't understand. Maybe he's never talked to the head of talent acquisitions in his organization, or the HR department isn't helping him understand how we can build that capability within his organization and and grow that that uh, community. So that, that that brings up an interesting challenge, though. So you you have that maybe he doesn't understand, but then is he even listening to HR? Maybe HR understands, or can they attract the right people to HR because that's the culture that is set there? Uh, it really becomes that chicken or the egg. And this was the point I was trying to make on that that call that we had, Ira, is that HR needs to to, to stand up and have that voice face-to-face, no in-between, have that voice to the CEO and say, this is this is the mud that you are creating, and either you are going to be able to clear this up or you're not, because it will affect your top and your bottom line. Okay, so I want to, looking at the time here, Lee, and knowing we're going to probably take a break sooner or later, we'll think about this maybe as a go-to to the back half of the podcast. But I want to push back on you here. For months and, and years following up before COVID, we, Ira and I and our guests would talk about how HR might not be the most properly prepared to handle the amount of change that's required to lead a company in the future of work. And we might go only maybe 18 months to a year ago. And then what we saw with because of COVID, the value of HR has now gone through the roof 
and we're stuck looking at a bunch of maybe unprepared HR people and leaders who have never once considered what might happen if they were truly exposed and they actually needed people over profit. Where do you start to unbundle that so you can help an organization that might be lacking in both HR and executive direction? Or is that not really the case? No, we need we need to step up the game. HR needs to become far more business savvy than they have been. They've always been the they've always been the internal resource that says just prevent us from going to court. We want to minimize our human relations legal legal issues. Keep us compliant. That has been their whole thing. Then they've got this payroll thing, and then they've got the benefits mm-hmm. thing, and then of course they've got this talent acquisition thing. So where where are where is your business impact? So when I hire, when I when I recruit. HR people, the first question I ask is, what type of business impact have you made on your organization? Silence. Silence. I'm so glad we have videos because this you're actually catching exactly what I think. Yeah, how can I mean I have a I have a software company that actually quantifies value. And I the first project I ever did was something called HROI because there's no such thing as a value in HR. It's all admin. Well, they can. They give you an ROI. Do you know how they give it to me? There's only one person on that team that's usually giving it to me. It's whoever's in charge of uh, human relations. They say, well, we prevented $500,000 in uh, lawsuits this year, or we prevented right. cases from going to court. I said, and? Right. But that just, to me, that demonstrates the idea that you know, you don't know what you don't know. If you're not awoke, how can you be realize you're in a dream, right? So where does the company, and Ira, you tell me, maybe we come back to this, but where does a company start? Because you want to believe there's some sort of manager or vice president or a heck, even a C-level that wants to take the bull by the horns and figure out how to do it. Yeah, so I think first and foremost, we take the existing CHROs and we evaluate and assess, do they have the ability to understand business beyond the HR realm? And if they do, get them off into an executive level program that can quickly get them ramped up and understanding how the top and the bottom line work and everything that goes on in between. So uh, until that happens, I think it's going to be a real struggle. And, and we are going to take a break, um, but there was a great question that just came in. So this is one of the other questions we'll address when we come back is why was why pass the buck to HR? So, OK, however, you are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. I'm Ira Wolf with Keith Compagna and our guest today is Lisa Andress. We're, we're tackling a very provocative subject. Uh, we started about empathy, but we've dove in, which I knew we would. Uh, we're really talking about what's it going to take to really make a change and uh, not get fat- and not create fatigue from that. Uh, one more challenge of 2020, but now is the time or there is no looking back. Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are and we'll be back in about two minutes. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. 
Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategies. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's xor.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm Robert Wolf with Keith Compagna, my co-host, and Lee Andres. Uh, we are talking about empathy, diversity, inclusion, equity, fairness, CEOs, incompetence, and competence. Hopefully, we'll get to the competence part, how to, how to have that. Um, what, there were a couple of questions we had when we left off. Uh, one was, uh, we'll tackle that in just a minute, uh, of, um, let me just read it, uh, why pass the buck to HR? Uh, but I, again, looking through some of the other headlines that I saw, uh, Target pledges, uh, going back to the numbers, we were talking about that 13%. So Target could hang on, um, you know, I, I can see them celebrating this. They're going to increase the number of black employees by 20%. So good initiative um, by numbers. Uh, you know, last, they have 360,000 employers, so obviously that it has a huge impact, and, 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 and I give credit, at least they're trying to make that initiative. So 25% of their employees are Latino, 15% are Black, so they're even above that, 5% um, are Asian, 5% identified as mixed race. So sounds like they're doing a good job. They met all the EEO categories and groups, right? Yeah. Here's the challenge. Um, only 5% of the executives or senior level officials are black. Okay. So it's, and again, I, I, you want to give people, you want to give companies and, you know, organizations credit where credits do. So they're doing much better than everyone else. And they meet the diversity guidelines. They exceed the diversity guidelines. And, you know, so let's give them a round of applause. But as uh, I did a, a, a webcast a few weeks ago with um, Dr. Salon Shara, uh, who has the company HC Moneyball. And on that, she's, she's taken the data. And, you know, we've had Victor Assad on a week ago. Uh, and we we're talking about data literacy. And on the call, we were talking about being able to quantify equity. So we can quantify the numbers that we meet the criteria, but then we need to look at things like the velocity of progression, the opportunities that are given. Right. And I wrote, I just submitted an article for uh, October, for my October article for Cornerstone's rework, Cornerstone On Demand's rework. And it was all about that. And one of the things I came up with is are you giving a step stool or an escalator to all the genders, all the ethnic groups, all the whites? Um, do you give the escalator to the white male and everybody else gets a step stool to advance? 
Uh, and that's sort of what you start reading between the lines. And that's really where the, where the rubber is going to hit the road when people start quantifying data, when they start quantifying, not just do you have the right colors and genders represented in your picture, but does everybody have the same opportunity for advancement and not just say, oh, we give everybody the opportunity for training. But what happens after the training? What happens after they complete it? You know, what? how many people, I mean, these are things that we started to ask these questions. How many minorities, how many females, how many um, blacks, how many Asians leave the organization because they're not promoted, because they don't have a chance, where other people get promoted in six months, it takes three or four years for a minority to get promoted. So we're touching on so many topics during this call. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, I'm just throwing out to say the picture is much bigger than saying, hey, yeah. we're hiring 20% more black. What more could we do? So so I, I I think what where this all connects with empathy is understanding the customers that you support, understanding the um, people who stand up your organization, who represent your brand uh, as part of your organization or customers. Does your organization represent that? Does your organization represent the consumers of your product or service? Does your organization represent the community that you live in? Does your organization represent the culture of your nation? Uh, of the world, like, who do you want that brand to represent physically out in the marketplace? Right. And, and so, so, let me ask you so, that. So if you're, if you're in white suburbia, I mean, or you're in, you know, some of the red states um, and you say, look, it reflects our, our, our composition reflects our community. Then if that's what you want, then that's what you want. If that's your brand and if that's what you want to represent, then I as a consumer will more than likely not buy your product because that is not the type of company. And I have the power. My wallet has the power of whether or not a company will succeed. And all those friends of mine who have the same wallet, I will influence their purchase as well. So that's up to you. That's up to the CEO. So did you, I don't know if you said this or I pulled this from another quote or somebody else said it during that roundtable, but basically it, it said that you, you basically walk up, you know, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier about HR going, you know, ho you know, holding their own and being the voice it says you are not teachable. You're not able to be educated to this when it comes to fairness. So at this point is either you change or I leave. Was, was that, was that, did you say that or was that, from something else or did you wish you said that? <laughs> something i would say because i'm a former high school teacher too i mean that's my real trade as a high school teacher right. so you are not teachable then then i'm not going to waste my time don't even don't even don't even have those conversations i do want to talk about um what what i think is happening with empathy in this pandemic i think that every company's website when you go to it oh my heartfelt sympathies to everybody who's struggling in getting through today's time you cannot touch a website without the first banner being during times like this well let me tell you something this <laughs> pandemic is going to be like giving birth to a child we are going to get through these months of giving a child and then we're forgetting going to forget all about this pain 
I know we are. And then we're going to go back to those ways. How do I know this? Because job postings are coming out that says, during this struggling time of a pandemic, you're going to be able to work remotely. But once this is all lifted, we want you back in the office. We want you commuting one to two hours a day. We want you to make Right. We want to make sure that we see that you are working every step of the way. That's not empathy. No. That's abandoning. So, so let me let me go back to the other example. Uh, and, and you know, I've often said this before: is you know, people spend all their time planning the wedding and not their marriage. People plan the pregnancy, but not the growing up part. So, taking your analogy one step further is that will, you know, the child what, when the pandemic. It's never going away. I mean, the pandemic will will go away, but we'll always have the, you know, we'll always have coronavirus or another one. Um, what happens when the child's born? I mean, so we, we the, it comes out of the womb. You know, we come out of this pandemic. We've got this child, but it's going to evolve. It's going to grow, and we have all these needs. So, the, you know, I, I guess the the period of time we can say, oh, that's behind us now. Now we're back to normal. But now we've got this growing toddler <laughs> that's going to grow up and mess things up for a while. Right. So now you're talking about training, development, coaching, mentoring, and all right. that. I think what's going to happen, one of two things is going to happen. Either the people starting to, I really want to go back to that question about HR. Let me just tell you the number one role of HR is to represent the people, the human beings of that organization. You are the voice. As the leader of human resources, you are their voice. You have a responsibility to keep that organization sound and safe for the people that work there. That is number one. You also have an obligation because the company is paying you to make sure that that company is kept out of jail, that we're doing the right things to keep them legal. But there's also moral and ethical behaviors that human resources need to take needs to take a stand. You lead as a leader in that space. You lead human beings first and foremost. And I'll tell you, one company that did a great job until it stopped doing a great job, which was the Kodak. If you look at where Eastman Kodak was back in the day, this company never had a union because they made it a culture that says we're going to pay our people very, very well. We're going to make sure that they work in a safe environment and we're going to keep it that way until the 70s hit. And then the arrogance, same thing with Bethlehem Steel, although I think they had a union. But if you look at these business cases, these businesses that are no longer and look what happened to them, they didn't change, Ira. They didn't change. If a pandemic doesn't change, how companies operate, what will? Is there a company right now that you admire that thinks doing a great job? Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right. So then I get to ask the question. This is the first. We, we, we silenced Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Um, so there's a so there's another question here. This, this sort of fits in line with the with that HR question, is because HR is compliant, so they're meeting the EEO guidelines. I'm not getting you sued. We've done everything right. Blah blah blah. Is the question came in is why do why does it have to be by ethnicity, not by the ability to do the job? Oh, now you're talking about inclusion. 
So there is a very, very wise woman, um, not to mention highly intelligent. She speaks before Congress about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion for the Bankers Association. And uh, she said to me on one of my podcasts, she says, Lee, if we are inclusive, we will automatically be diverse. And so if we are not talking to people who are in wheelchairs right now, the people in wheelchairs who cannot drive into work every day or people for who, whatever reason can't drive into work are going say, all of a sudden now everybody can work remotely. But before when I asked to work remote, you said that wasn't a possibility. So now try stuffing that genie back in the bottle. That's empathy. Whether a company actually sticks to this, how they've accommodated their workforce to be able to work from home and now open up those opportunities to people who truly can't make it into an office, then we'll see if empathy hits the road. Yeah, I love this quote. For, and again, I was just going through stories this morning. Uh, it's from the Dropbox CEO, uh, Drew Houston. And he said, we've gone through the door. We've gone through a one-way door. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I swear to God that door is going to shut. I, I just and I honestly believe that until companies are, are brought to their knees like they were now, this was this this pandemic brought many companies to their knees. Overnight, they had to be able to flip that remote work button on. Right. And so mm -hmm. now what's going to happen when it turns around is the workforce. I think the workforce is going to be smart enough to be able to go to their organizations and say, if you want to work with me, this is how I work. So I'm going to take that a step further and say that it will be the eventual progress of the market, which I think answers your question of if a pandemic doesn't change the way executives run a company, what will? I think the market will, because once, as far as I could tell, when we talk about things settling down, that means that markets reopen, which means we're going to come back to a place where the best available talent is going to want their own terms. They're going to want to be able to stay home. They're going to want to be able to work in a certain capacity with certain people. And I think that's what you were getting at, Lee, the idea of pretending that you can now, are, as a corporation, can set the rules just like they were before COVID hit. I think you're at a place and I think uh, businesses that do that will find themselves in a very, very bad position within five years. And Maybe I'm going to share with you one more, one more saying that is the truest saying that could ever be written. Change you must or die you will. I don't care if you're a person, place, or thing, or a massive organization. If Bethlehem Steel and Eastman Kodak haven't provided enough, enough case studies for our generation to figure out that if we don't think differently about how we get our work done and who does that work and open up our minds to all the possibilities, as they say in Italian, ah, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lee, I mean, we're, we're just scratching the surface here and, and you know, hopefully we'll, get you back on with with other people I, and I, I think you heard we're gonna have Torin Ellis and on and we, we've got some really some real leaders in this real passion leaders and uh, you know love to have you and you know as part to continue that but I've got two questions that kind of wrap up the show uh, one was just asked to me yesterday I thought it was a brilliant I, I, I loved the question and it and it caught me off guard almost as much as it did 
you when I asked you if was there a company that was setting a good example. But this one came in from an early listener is is why um, was it tough? Um, why did you leave trucking? And was it tough as a woman in trucking? <laughs> it was very tough as a woman in trucking, but I actually wore a dress every single day. And I wrote a note to the president of the largest publication at that time over the road in Pro Trucker. And I told him how awful their magazines were for recruiting female drivers. And then he offered me a position. And I wrote a column for 15 years called Driven Women that was produced 250,000 times every month. And so we slowly but surely got that. And the reason I got out of the truck is because I did it to go shopping across the country, really. Uh, but I did. I took two years off and I had a blast. I went coast to coast and, and had a great time. Uh, leadership with intention. I, every bit of your story, I'm loving. <laughs> yeah, and here, here's the other one. And, and you got about, I also... Also ride a horse. I ride a motorcycle. So anything that's got speed and you know thrill to it, I'm I'm all about it. You're in it. I love it. You've got sixty seconds to answer this question. If if you had to write a chapter of a book, just a chapter, what would it be? What's the title? I would call it Riven Woman. I love it. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Uh, how can people get a hold of you, Lee? <laughs> well, they can they can reach out to me at Lee at acathamade.com. Um, that's probably the best and fastest way or connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy to talk to you. Super. And, and she's, she's always on LinkedIn and, and does always respond. So thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, it, it was a, a great, great show. Great conversation. Thanks. Um, Keith, what do you think? Passion, passion, um, yeah, you know, driven women. I think that what we really did today was kind of circle the wagons around the things that are that that are much deeper, right? Like the, the truth of the matter is that Lee is right in almost every capacity. The truth is, is that to fix all of that stuff requires an awful lot of work. And it requires a lot of people like you, like me, like Lee, that can help go from the outside and disrupt the way people think business needs to be done as a continuation of you know, 2019 and think differently because the, everything is going to be different. Right. And, and there were so many other things. I mean, there were so many other airline airlines headlines that I saw this today, you know, uh, just, just came across American airlines approves the, the BLM pins, the black lives matter pins for staff. So, Oh, it's okay to wear that. So it, it comes down to, uh, you know, how does that fit into culture? Is that politicizing the whole event? I mean, is it improper because, um, it's politicized or is it improper, you know, or do they make decision because it's the right thing to do? And, and, and millions of conversations like that. And Torin. Will be oh there. yeah. I begged them. Listen, I begged them to come on. It's been a year and a half. I begged the guy at the end of the day. That's where I did. Yeah. So that's the man. Fun. And, and I think that's just the start of the conversation. Hopefully we'll, we'll continue to have a lot of, uh, a lot more of these, uh, some news on our front. Uh, you can see it was just scrolling across the, the screen a few minutes ago. Um, next week, we're talking about, uh, again, the upskilling, reskilling, uh, doing that online, uh, grow your leader, develop or, or grow your, um, your talent and develop your leaders. Uh, it's free webinar for an hour. Scott McKenzie's going to, we're going to get a, a future update on uh, where e-learning is and uh, you'll actually be able to get a 15 day trial with it. And it actually now links to an assessment, uh, leadership assessment. So a lot of good things on that front. 
Um, what else? Uh, we've got to thank our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. Uh, got an opportunity. Anybody wants to, to come on, be a sponsor, love to have you. Um, be able to get the word out to all our listeners. Uh, my book's still available. Uh, you can get to that by besthrbook.com. Uh, get it for free. Uh, unfortunately, it's taken a couple of weeks for shipping to go out with the postal service these days, but uh, you get a free copy of my book, Recruiting in the Age of Globalization. Um, yeah, my copy is Selling with Noble Purpose. And we want to thank, yeah, from two weeks ago. Thank for, you, Elizabeth. Go, yeah. Thanks. Video on that. Yeah. Glad you got a copy there, Keith. Uh, as well, one of the benefits of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Next week, uh, we got an interesting show. You know, we've had uh, Rachel Robertson from Antarctica, uh, from Australia. She was the, right. the only the second female expedition leader uh, in Antarctica. She had great leadership stories. Fascinating. Next week, we got a, a Navy SEAL nice. on board uh, talking about hiring talent. Um, you know, the right, how, how to find talent. So fantastic. Uh, we are now, other big news, uh, we are now on Amazon. Um, Geek Skeezers and Googleizations on Amazon Music. So you can go up and uh, so we can get, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, the replays, of course, YouTube now and Facebook, uh, but Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, all those places, uh, if you will. And... Uh, you know, final words, as we always say, um, until next week, Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. This is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Mm -hmm.